Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I, think, I feel like it's another ass comment, but... Jason Jason just called you on your bluff, and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. We are a week removed from the AO. I think we have caught our own fresh of breath air. (laughs) (laughs) Have you... I've said that and I've also said... Did you lawn the mow? <laughs> <laughs> what is, is that's that's a grass cutting reference? You know, when I lived in Pickering with my parents, my weekly job was to cut the grass. Okay. And I would pawn off that chore to my sisters and I would often say, "Hey, did you lawn the mow?" <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of mowing our lawn, (laughs) one of the things I wanted to do before we started the show is to encourage everyone who listens and who likes us and who loves what they hear and who wants others to know about it to like, share, and subscribe. We don't do this typically at the front end of the show, but (laughs) come on, mow our lawn, man. Yeah, listen, we know there are a lot of you out there that are enjoying because you slide into our DMs, you share some really cute messages with us, and then when we check whether or not you follow us <laughs> you don't <laughs> yeah what's with that what's with that guys come on now what up with that what's up with that <laughs> okay so what's up with this week in tennis there were not 800 tournaments <clears throat> like you know a few weeks ago there were four mm-hmm. yeah okay so i have a question for you so when we recorded last week australian open wrap-up did you need a beat before you got into the next round of regular, let's say, regular season tournaments? Or did you get right into it? You got I, right into Montpellier. No, no, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, I'm still like, you know, um, trying to grasp at the idea of getting into these 250 events. Obviously, the the level of, of player is a bit of a step down from you know the 500s and above so Mm. you really have to be invested in the players and you kind of want to recognize some of the names and you're not often going to uh but that Mm. doesn't mean you know that you shouldn't pay attention because some of these players are hopefully going to be the players of the future i mean you know the rogers and the novaks and the nadals uh probably played and won the 250s before they won the other events so you get some good tennis play you just have to uh, make a commitment and now that we have the tennis tv subscription (laughs) there were three events that we could watch uh this week and then there was the wta 500 in adelaide because they were still hanging out in australia yeah i mean a couple of the girls still were posting some cute restaurant beach zoo situations up in australia um but to your point uh, talking about future stars one future male tennis star really made his breakthrough didn't he yes 
and he's Australian. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Good for him. I feel like we we talked about this before when he was on UTS. And <laughs> he didn't sound yes. like he was Australian, but yeah. Well, I mean, I made the mistake of pegging Sinner to be Australian, right? But he's actually Italian, right? And uh, our our guy, this new guy, Popperin, Popperin, right? Mm-hmm. Alexi. Alexi. Russian born. I think so. Russian born made his breakthrough and he ended up winning his first ATP title. Mm-hmm. So I tuned into the final um, in Singapore. No fans. So we're going to get into that a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. And he, they played uh, an interesting match. Popperin lost the first set, it was a close first set. Uh, I didn't see any underhand serves from Bublik, <laughs> <laughs> which he always likes to employ. But he he lost the s- uh, second set six love. Did Bublik? Oh man! Yeah, and then uh, Poprin took the third six two. So he completely, you know, young players. You wonder if they can turn it around, but he was able to turn it around, and he he won his first ATP Tour title, and you could tell it meant a lot. So that it's nice to sort of see that. I. Th- I mean, when I saw the highlights, I believe his match point was a double fault. He won True. on a double fault. <laughs> he did win. He did win on a double fault, which is never you, fun. Right, and you kind of always wonder to yourself, what or how should I celebrate if I win this on a double fault? <laughs> yeah, it's not. You know, <laughs> it's certainly not one of those like fall to the court on your back moments. <laughs> Right, but he, I think he did end up falling to his knees, didn't he? He fell to, he like got down to his knees, yeah, but um, not in, not in the good way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truth be told, when we did our episode on the UTS last summer, it feels like an eternity ago, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, Popperin was a complete, I had no idea who he was. And, uh, you know, watching him play that interesting take on tennis, I didn't know where he would turn up like in the US Open draw in the Australian Open draw I mean I actually don't even know whether he was in the main draw of the Australian Open was he Yeah he beat uh, D- David Goffin What Yeah he played a five setter against him and won Okay so I mean he's got some game mm-hmm. and he clearly has some game cuz he's got his first title Yeah yeah he's got uh, a nice serve good power he he went I think seven straight games without losing a point uh in his service games so yeah Uh, did you ever watch the HBO series Girls? I did not I did not see one episode of that (laughs) okay (laughs) did you ever watch the latest Star Wars series? Mm -mm. Not not my cup of tea not your cup of tea anyway for all of our listeners out there when I watched the highlights of Popperin I could not help but think that he looked exactly like the character of Adam, <laughs> also the character of Darth Vader in Star Wars, but Adam on Girls. Oh, so yeah, I just I I wondered whether you watched those two to make that connection, but clearly you didn't. Well, we'll have to <laughs> post something on Instagram to see if others have. <laughs> so he won, and then there was Montpellier, where mm. Gauvin took on RBA. Yeah, and you watched that final as well. I did. I watched that final uh, live. It was kind of an odd uh, match. Um, it was a little bit back and forth. Again, 
a three-setter, and again, uh, the person who lost the first set came back to win the match, and it was what? Goffa. I I mean, we I called him the quarterfinal specialist last year. Yes, we called him the perpetual quarterfinalist <laughs> of of slams. I think of slams, yeah. and I think that's such a great result for him. I mean, I like it when guys that aren't able to break through into the semis and finals and get a chance to win like a master series or a grand slam win these smaller titles because you know at the end of their career they can say you know what i managed to win a couple of atp 250s (laughs) (laughs) you know so it's it kind of legitimizes their career for me so i was really happy to see david win and that trophy was nice in comparison to <laughs> some of the recent ones we've um, critiqued. <laughs> I mean, we're not we're not knocking Indigenous art. Of course, we are Canadians, and we have a a really warm, fuzzy place for Indigenous art because we are Canadian. But that trophy, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that trophy that looked like uh, Ash Barty was serving a wombat <laughs> on a. Um, on a cutting board. Yeah. <laughs> they could have done a maybe a bit better. <laughs> mm-hmm. What I really appreciated with Gofan's game, which I'm going to pr- try and take into my own, is he is very good at capitalizing when he sees a player out of position and coming to the net and closing the point. Ah. I witnessed that a lot today. And I want to do that when we play again in 2022. Yeah, I I was you just stole the words right out of my mouth. I mean, if if you were not going to say I need to be doing more than more of that, I would have told you straight up you need to be doing more of that because <laughs> you know, you never follow your well, I won't say never, but like you should follow your forehand in. Yeah. And put yourself because any once you and I I just realized we haven't talked about our our personal games because we haven't <laughs> played any tennis over the last three months. But when you approach and you're inside the service box, you're very good at, you know, dealing with those balls, whether it's a volley or a half volley or, uh, you know, a fluke drop shot. <laughs> <laughs> so you need to do that more. For yeah. Sure. I think we started, we started working on some of that stuff in the fall, just before tennis was shut down again, we were starting to, be more intentional about you know playing less sort of full out matches for our two hours and Mm. and more like playing a set but then working on specific things before we played a set and that Mm -hmm. was one of the things that we were working on is coming to the net yeah and i mean if all goes to plan it seems like our beautiful city of toronto is going to start to open up on the 8th of march i mean it's not promised as of yet but I do believe in the in the first few weeks of March, things are going to start to open up, and I hope to, yeah, be playing with you again on the court. Yeah. So we can practice those things. I have to admit, I'm less hopeful that that's going to happen on March eighth. <laughs> I just don't, I just don't see it happening because the cases are starting to like mm. tick up again. It seems, but the variants. Yeah. The yeah. variants. Variants yeah. of concern. Um, There was one other tournament in Argentina. So France, (laughs) Singapore, Argentina hitting, you know, four continent, four continents this week, I guess. 
Mm. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or is Singapore and Australia considered? I mean, Australia is a continent onto its own. So Correct. Asia, yeah. So, so I think four continents. Yeah. yeah. So the player who won that t- match, which was on at five local time here, I did not watch it, admittedly, <laughs> is a player named Serendolo. Do you know him? <laughs> I don't know her. Sorry. No. Who? Well, he he won. He is the world number two, or sorry, world number 335, and he's 19. And the headline on the ATP site says he completes his dream run, uh, dream week with the Cordoba Just Trophy. Cordoba. I mean, I've heard of This is in, um, Cordoba's in Argentina, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Okay, so... Uh, just curiosity, do you know who the top seed was at that tournament? Because he definitely was not the top seed. <laughs> uh, no, I do not know who was the top seed at that event. I'd have to play around on the website, and we ain't got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, congrats to this man. Yes. <laughs> for I mean, winning that tournament. <laughs> he's ranked slightly higher than our friend Christian Harrison. Boyfriend, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Your boyfriend. <laughs> Uh, so that that was another 250 event and then the the ladies were still in Australia yeah I mean I initially asked you at the beginning of the segment whether you needed a beat before you got into these three ATP tournaments once the Australian Open final shut down I shut down I was like I turned off I did <laughs> I need I needed a bit of a break to your point it felt like it had been up and running for months and months and months and i mean there was barely any turnaround before between the end of the ladies final and the first round of adelaide it was literally a day right because the women's final was contested on saturday first day of adelaide i believe was monday but um i don't know are you surprised at that our girl shviantek came out with the title i so i admittedly my beat was about five days because I only tuned into the finals <laughs> for each of them. It would have okay. been nice to sort of see, you know, Danielle Collins play. I know she yes. she ended up having to withdraw in her match against Sviantek. Right. And sh- and you you know she beat Barty, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's a good win. That's a good motherfucking win for our girl. <laughs> She's fun. I want to. We need to get her on the show. She, you know, I don't know what more we can do to get that bitch on the show because <laughs> I, we, you and I love her so much. We've, you know, we've gotten down on our knees and begged her, but she is amazing. Mm-hmm. She is. Yeah, she's she's fun. She looked like she, we would have a good time, but mm-hmm. yeah, the uh, I watched the final and it was a bit ho hum for uh, <laughs> our uh, the Swiss girl BB. Yeah, Bel- Belinda Bencic. Yeah, I mean Bencic is. So I think of Bencic as a player. She had a lot of comparisons to another Swiss woman, Martina Hingis. And I believe for a moment there was a bit of like a coaching partnership there. Okay. And, um, you know, Belinda Bencic has made a couple of slam semifinals, lost to our girl Bianca at the U.S. Open semis a couple years ago. That was a good match. That was a wonderful match. Mm -hmm. And she just never really broke through. She's kind of known as a strategist, a real thinker on the court, just like her, you know, um, countrywoman, Martina Hingis. 
she was in the semifinal against Cuckoo for Coco Goff. <laughs> and I will <laughs> I will never forget the day Jason and I were actually playing the Liberty Open two summers ago. <laughs> and we were watching, I think, a, a Goff third or fourth round match in our hotel before we headed off to our venue. And uh, yeah, I just it just came to me. I'm like, Cuckoo for Coco Goff. <laughs> just like Cuckoo for Coco Puffs. <laughs> so but anyway... Yeah, in that semifinal, Bencic had match points in the second set, messed that shit up. She lost the second set in a tiebreak and then, you know, took a lot of kind of mental energy to win that third set. I thought she was going to give Sviantek more of a run for her money in the final, but Sviantek's win, I thought I was expecting more from Sviantek in the Australian Open. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the fact that she lost to Halep a formidable formidable opponent multi slam winner is no nothing to be sad about but her win in adelaide for me solidifies her her as a contender for any slam that's going to be played this year yeah yeah she just has she has a great serve she has that whippy forehand yes and uh she just kept hitting winners on on bb <laughs> i wonder if i don't know if you notice this with benchich's play but she's always hitting off the wrong foot or she's, yes she hits on off of her off foot yes i definitely noticed that <laughs> and in the slow motion replays she has such a unique forehand like it's definitely not a smooth stroke to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've watched it, but like she actually really doesn't follow through completely, but she just has this way of hitting it that, I mean, it stays in the court and on occasion it gets her a couple of winners. But yeah, Sviantek is the real motherfucking deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, it would be nice for Belinda to to be up there well as well. She's you know one of the young players. I mean, she won the Rogers Cup six years ago when mm. she was like seventeen, and she beat like <laughs> Serena Williams, and she had like a dream run. Yes, kind of like this Argentine victory for the uh, ATP player. But yeah, she she I think has some upside as well but yes Fiontek is the real deal with Bill McNeil that's a news radio reference for anybody (laughs) we're gonna give you a bunch of tv references today (laughs) mine is news radio yeah so I mean congrats to Iga Mm -hmm. adds another another title to her repertoire and as you and I both know um a note for you Belinda you cannot win matches double faulting (laughs) you just can't so she double faulted eight times in that match. I mean, eight times is like a good set for me. <laughs> <laughs> Belinda, uh, or sorry, Iga double faulted zero times. That's okay. Bringing it back to our personal tennis um, stories, that is going to be, just to let you know, partner, that is my number one goal for 2021, is to learn how to use a left-handed serve effectively and also learn how to kick serve with confidence Mm -hmm. so that that fucking second serve always gets in that box. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if some of the players on both of the tours, if, if their goals for this year is to win prize money. (laughs) (laughs) I would hope so. (laughs) Because 
it's gonna take a bit more work this year because a lot of the <laughs> tournaments are cutting the prize money and that's another topic we wanted to talk about today yeah absolutely i mean i just wanted to pose it to all of our listeners that don't follow us on instagram <laughs> <laughs> so follow us if you know learn your lesson follow us but um I have I don't really think about when it comes to the world of tennis what it takes to play on the tour. And by play on the tour I mean play on the circuit and by that I mean travel from destination to destination with your coach if you're lucky enough to have a trainer, a physio, you know, what does that actually look like financially? And again, to your point, because we are in a global pandemic, there's even less money to go around in terms of prize money. So how does that affect affect your Christian Harrison? How does that affect your, you know, this new guy that won Cordoba, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were doing a bit of <laughs> trolling on Twitter, as <laughs> people in 2021 like to do. <laughs> Found some some quotes from a friend named John Isner. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And you want you want me to share them? Yeah. You you you're going to parse uh you know when <laughs> when you get to 1 of 5 and you get to 5 of 5 <laughs> it officially qualifies I think as maybe a rant, but let me have it. <laughs> <laughs> let me have it. Let me preface this rant by saying that it really opened my eyes when I read Isner's tweet as to the reality for the vast majority of working tennis players on the ATP and even more so, let me just say this, even more so for the women on the WTA tour, right? I mean, we talk about um, gender equality and equal pay between men and women at the slams. But when it comes down to like the nitty gritty of the everyday on the tour, women still have it way worse, mm-hmm. you know? So keep that in mind when I share Isner's quote. The It is shocking how much, I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't even say how much, how little your average tennis player ranked in the top 100, like outside the top 50 gets paid. And Isner said on his tweet, quote, ATP is a broken system. Players in tournaments as partners need to work together, but 60%, a 60% cut and an 80% champion's cut in one of the biggest events that has TV, data, sponsorship, and newly approved gambling revenue intact isn't a partnership at all and just to give you guys a little bit of context he's talking about miami right the upcoming miami tournament right. that has an 80 per, correct me if i'm wrong an 80 percent cut in overall prize money it has i don't know if that, that's quite right but the winner's prize is it's almost 80 percent uh decrease i think the total purse is down a little bit less than that but mm. close close yeah you know and i mean i'm maybe it won't qualify as a rant but i do want to share part five of five of isner's <laughs> rant. you're jumping you, to five 
I'm jumping to five. I mean, if you think two, three, and four are interesting enough to share, then you go for it. But I find his last tweet to be the most kind of pertinent. He says, so players take a 60% cut and 80% champions cut while ATP executives keep full salaries. Sound familiar? (laughs) U.S. presidential election? (laughs) Benefits and expense accounts? Make... Make that make sense. Seems just a little bit hypocritical, don't you think? You know, Isner's Isner's tweets made me think about, you know, if there are all of these things that are still intact, you know, he lists TV, data sponsorship, newly approved gambling. If those things continue to build revenue for sponsors and they keep their pockets just as full, even fuller than in previous years i mean that's crazy even to think that that's a a reality in the midst of a pandemic but players are earning less that is an out and out travesty in my opinion don't you Mm -hmm. think i mean i don't know how much atp executives make to be Mm -hmm. honest and i'm i'm sure they don't make as much as players have the opportunity to make in an event like miami even with reduced prize money i don't know don't quote me on that don't check me people (laughs) Um, but i think what is interesting about what he's saying is there is probably value in doing a bit of an accounting of you know what of lost ticket revenue accounts for um the overall decline in the tournament as a whole and Mm -hmm. whether that decline that significant decline in the prize money is equal to that yeah i mean listen let's bring it home a little bit this is kind of your profession you are a fundraiser and you deal with financials on the daily Mm -hmm. you know so it would only make sense that especially during the time of of a pandemic that the money that is being generated whether well it's obviously going to be less that it be distributed fairly, Mm -hmm. you know, and instead of kind of lining the pockets of people that are, um, that are, sorry, that are not the athletes. Mm -hmm. I find that so whack. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, Pospisil has, has talked about this before, how, you know, tournaments make, um, a significant amount of of money overall but the players who you know are part and parcel of why fans come to the event and why there's sponsorship and why there's endorsement deals for these tournaments they end up taking i think only 10 to 14 percent of the overall revenue mm-hmm. uh, but the, the the event wouldn't exist without them so i think you know part of that <clears throat> part of what isner is saying and part of what pospisil is saying is that there needs to be a bit more of shared um, revenue amongst the tournaments. And now it just feels like they're being dinged even further. And to your point, it does impact the the lower level players more. The players mm-hmm. like the Ryan Harrisons or, you know, the Alexi Popperins who, you know, have to, who are trying to make it up the ranks, but don't get those sweet um, appearance like, um, <laughs> Uh, perks like an adult does for attending a non um, mandatory event 
Okay, so you know what? Maybe you can illuminate that particular situation for me. So that's something that I wasn't aware of. Mm -hmm. So let's take Nadal as the example. I did read the article about how Nadal has pulled out of Monterrey. Is it or Acapulco? One of one of one of those tournaments. I think he pulled out of Acapulco. Um, okay. Yeah, I there. I, I and I believe one of those events. Anyway, one of those events was a not a mandatory event, so these players don't have to. The top players don't have to play that, but if they want to and they want encouragement to do so, um, from what I read, Nadal commands about five hundred thousand dollars an appearance. So he he just to show up, they pay him. The organizers of the tournament pay him that much, sort of over and above the prize money, to show to I, just show up and play. I find that so. Listen, if Rafael Nadal was a real a hole, he could just show up and fucking put it in the bag. You know, and just sack that $500,000 and just go on his merry way. But I see that I found so astounding. Maybe I'm maybe I'm naive, but I didn't think that that kind of thing happened at the higher levels. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could you could not want to make an appearance at a particular place and still get paid $500,000. I mean, to me, that is crazy. And that must be like you know, so infuriating for so many players that are just outside of that elite level that have to show up. They don't get any extra money for just for being there. And, you know, they have to work their way through the draw mm -hmm. to earn $12,000. Yeah, I mean, That's Nadal is kind of like Mariah Carey when she showed up there on, <laughs> on Queen Street for the opening of the sax. She got paid like a million dollars to sing two songs. Girl, and you know what? That 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 girl didn't do a damn thing. She did a, <laughs> she did a little shimmy left and a little shimmy right, and she got paid a million dollars. That is crazy. I wonder if any like our if our if our fans and the people who listen to our show know that about Nadal, and if that sort of changes their opinion of him. I mean, I guess like any industry that's entertainment. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. like tennis there are you know fees to get the superstars to come out but mm -hmm. it's not something you necessarily think about when it comes to tennis you don't think that people are getting paid appearance fees to play at a tournament when they have all of these endorsements already and they're there yes. to compete for prize money like everybody else yeah I, th I just think that that's whack I mean maybe it's unrelated, but like you think about someone like Anna Kornikova, never won a WTA tournament in her whole damn life, but earned millions of dollars in sponsorships, which obviously helped her play a full circuit on the WTA tour. I mean, it fucking didn't help her because she didn't win a damn tournament. <laughs> but, you know, you think about... <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. I'm not going to... I'm going to name a WTA player's name, but someone a little less quote-unquote attractive that didn't that doesn't have the sponsorship and has to kind of grind and work at it like a true athlete to earn her way through the draw and make you know a viable living based on real results and mm -hmm. a quarter just showed up in her tight booty adidas shorts <laughs> 1999 gold and navy blue she made millions of dollars with that adidas contract and still did not win a singles tournament. You know, that's just the real tea. 
She, for 2020. She never won a singles tournament. I didn't know that. Honey, she never won a singles tournament. She won a she won a couple of Grand Slam doubles with, I believe, Martina Hingis. Maybe a couple of like top tier doubles WTA tournaments, but. That bitch never won a single tournament in her <laughs> whole life, and she still made millions of dollars, and also married Enrique Iglesias. Right, <laughs> got get got the millions coming in from the hubby now too. Yes, exactly. And she was a coach on the on one season of The Biggest Loser. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. You you have so many like reality TV. <laughs> oh, oh, oh wow, I forgot. We we're just we we've had like four references TV references. <laughs> Yeah, and you know who? What other tennis player was on the celebrity version of the Biggest Loser? Celebrity version of the Biggest Loser, tennis celebrity. A tennis player. She was a Wimbledon former she... Wimbledon finalist. Pat Cash. No. <laughs> fat. He was fat. Not John McEnroe. No, it was Zena Garrison. <laughs> yeah, she. Zena. Yeah, she was on the show. Yeah, and she, I think at the time, not that it matters, but she weighed 260 pounds. They obviously publicly weigh you to, at the start oh of the God. show, and then you have to lose the highest percentage of weight each week. It's, <laughs> it's it was a terrible like show that I <laughs> that we watched weekly whilst eating ice cream. <laughs> Do we want to go through the prize money? Obviously, the prize money is reduced in Miami. You know, the prize money for the Cordoba winner, for example, this Mm -hmm. week was reduced pretty much the same amount, like 70%. So the winner uh, last year got 91,000 USD. And this Mm -hmm. year, the winner got 24,000 USD. Cordoba. Cordoba. That's messed up. Yeah. The Rotterdam event, which is this coming week... Which the, no one is attending. <laughs> I thought Medvedev was playing. Medvedev and Vavrenka and Felix are there. I saw someone post on, of course, the GLTA <laughs> <laughs> lounge that there were a, a bunch, at least 10, 10 elite big name players that had withdrawn from Rotterdam. Hmm. Well, I mean, it. I guess, you know, this prize money thing might be an issue because... The prize, the winner got 406 euro, 406,000 euro last year. And the winner this mm. year will get 89,000 euro. <laughs> and a Big Mac combo. So that's, <laughs> that's a 78% decline in the uh, winner's prize money. And if you just make it to round one and you lose, you get 11,000 uh, 500 euro which is a decline from 15,500 euro the year prior so they're trying to keep the the decreases in in prize money lower for the earlier rounds and 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 obviously much steeper for the winners listen let me just say from a person from the perspective of someone that understands what it means to save a dollar and earn a dollar. If you're a player that's on the tour that is having difficulty passing through the first couple of rounds, when you win 15,000 euro and now you're going to enter a tournament and 
you're not even going to pass the first round and win 11,000 euro. 4,000 euro is a big deal. It would make the difference, I think, for a lot of players to say, I'm not going to travel there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And maybe I just wanted to share, I did read an article about the pay structure for NBA players. Maybe this is a false equivalency, but I think it's a fair point to bring up. Maybe this is something that will spark conversation in your own homes. But, you know, NBA players, and as far as I remember, um, Major League Baseball players earn a yearly salary, you know, that allow them to have um, sustenance and have a living wage for the entire year. Tennis players, as far as I understand, only earn based on what they win, you know, and aside from that, their sponsorships. So, I mean, maybe to Isner's point, going back to his tweet, maybe we do have to reevaluate how the ATP and the WTA, you know, pays its players. Maybe there has to be some kind of, you know, base living salary that allows players that normally would not be able to get out of their local and regional uh, tennis tournaments a chance at breaking through to the top because let's face it if you don't have the money you don't have the ability to travel to tournaments to earn points period mm -hmm. you could you know you could be a possible number one ranked player in the waiting but never get out of fucking Kalamazoo <laughs> what's wrong with Kalamazoo <laughs> <laughs> I mean there's, there's nothing wrong with Kalamazoo but you know you probably want to win Wimbledon yes that's true and that's just and that's just not fair that's Kalama true. <laughs> you know how we're going to get the answers to all of this? Tell me. Vashik needs to come on the show. <laughs> He's got all the answers. He retweeted Isner's tweet, everybody. Vashik, you know what? I d Okay, let's just list very quickly the things that we've tried to get him on the show. Mm -hmm. You retweeted the voice of your dead dog. Yep. <laughs> Um, we had your best motherfucking friend on, Christian Harrison, that was so lovely and so genuine and such a Whitney fan. Loving, loving fool. Loving fool to get on the show. He promised that he would throw a tennis ball your way. You know, you're Canadian, we're Canadian. We and Jason, okay, and the icing on the cake here is that Jason took a picture with you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly three years ago last month. Exactly three years ago last month. You know what? I don't know about you, Jason. I know that it's like, um, it's just going to be an inevitability. He's mm -hmm. going to be on the show. I think so. I think, I so. think so. We need we need all of your answers about this because apparently you're also talking to our boy Zverev, Sasha Zverev. Yeah, I mean, you seem to be like, uh, you know, uh, a play, uh, a friend in Djokovic's pocket. Mm -hmm. You know, like, a, I don't want to say a pawn. That sounds, that has a negative connotation. But you seem to be very buddy-buddy with Djokovic on a lot of his um, thoughts about player protection. Yeah, and they've sort of set up this player council and they've had conversations. And I know we wanted to play... That clip of what Zverev said after his loss to Djokovic in the AO. So should we just play that? Yeah, let's do it right now. Okay. Um, about the tour, yeah, I do agree that we, we can't have a traveling circuit right now. 
it's just as simple as that. Uh, injuries will keep on happening. Um, you know, there's restrictions to countries. There's uh, depends on what passport you have. You might not even be able to go to some of the countries. Like I, th- I know South American players uh, will be struggling a lot. So we can't have a traveling circuit right now. I think uh, what HP should do and should look into is, um, you know, maybe having a venue like here and play multiple weeks at one place, uh, multiple tournaments, multiple weeks, because at the end of the day, in Europe right now, we, we can't have spectators anyways. So what difference does it really make where we play the tournament? We can, we can change the background, we can change the you know, city name uh, on the court or whatever, and then play, play it at one venue. But uh, I do agree with Novak, and we talked about it with Novak as well, um, and with Vasek Pospisil as well that we just simply cannot have a traveling circuit with how things are going. So, Aldwin, what do you think about <laughs> what Alexander Zverev and, and you know, by way of, of his press conference, Djokovic, had to say about not being able to travel right now and, and how the tour should be operating? You know, at first, my initial reaction was, how could you have you know, an entire tour played in one locale when the surface, the surface, the conditions are exactly the same. I mean, it would, what I likened it to was saying, guys, we should have the entire year played at Roland Garros and Rafael Nadal being like, that's the greatest idea <laughs> I ever heard of. <laughs> yeah, because all these other small tournaments, I'm going to get $500,000 appearance fees for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, when I took a chance to reflect on the current global situation with the pandemic, you know, the different national protocols, um, quarantine regulations and restrictions, I think that it's actually a good idea because... How are you going to put a player through the mental difficulty of having to travel with his or her limited entourage from one country to another, not knowing what to expect when you arrive there with the possibility of a person, any person within the vicinity testing positive and likely having to quarantine for 10 14, whatever it is, whatever, however, however many days you have to quarantine for and put yourself under that mental stress. If you have an umbrella situation like the NBA, like the like the Major League Baseball um, teams, then everything is truly controlled. So I'm not against it after a little bit of reflection. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think what he said was interesting about the fact that in that match he felt that they played well and that their conditioning was good but he you know he leans on the idea that there's going to be potentially more injuries if people have to quarantine but I think to your point also there is a benefit to those lower ranked players to be able to just be in one place Mm -hmm. not have to sort of you know pony up for every flight to between Australia to Singapore to Cordoba to Montpellier, you know, paying, paying <laughs> those flights for themselves or or somebody else, and then having to quarantine in different places. Um, it it sort of this time maybe lends itself to that kind of um, situation. I wouldn't be mad about 
uh, it actually occurring in Australia because I sort of got used to being able to watch, you know, a couple of matches in the evening our time, which was the day in Australia. And then I would wake up early and watch the rest of what I could. So I actually like that. So let's just pick Australia you know, <laughs> if we can. But I think, you know, it, it could potentially reduce injuries, reduce logistical nightmares, supports the uh, lower ranked players. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it could work, but I just don't think it, either of the tours could get their shit together or how that negotiation gets started with all of the individual tournament organizers and organizations. Yeah, I mean, the question begs to be asked, what do the individual tournaments in their um, locales get from hosting a tournament? If there are no fans, if there are no ticket sales being generated, what is the actual revenue that they get? I mean, is it sponsorships? That's something that I'm so in the dark about. Mm -hmm. And if it's a matter of tournaments not getting the revenue that they normally would receive, then why couldn't the ATP or the WTA kind of strike a deal with all of these tournaments around the world and say, listen, we're just going to have tennis take place in this one place. Let's, let's just split all the revenue equally. And for the safety of the players, for the safety of, you know, the fans, let's just host it in one area. And again, back to Zvera's point, you could change <laughs> you could change the name of the court. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know that it was in Toronto necessarily. I mean, you could just you could do a, a bunch of different things to continue to have tennis being played in that one locale. Mm-hmm. But again, there's a lot of variables. I mean, obviously not everyone is an Australian player. You know, Ash Barty could benefit from playing in Melbourne or Adelaide and take a quick drive plane ride back to wherever she lives. But, you know, Yulia Putinseva, who is missing her family back up in the Ukraine, in Russia. I forget where she's from. I think she's from I mean, Kazakhstan. From Kazakhstan. Sorry, my bad. You know, she's going to, is that going to be difficult for her to be settling in one place for the entire year? But again, to Zvera's point, you could have a couple of tournaments played within a few weeks. You have a couple weeks off. You fly back. You know, you get all of the fresh air that you need to breathe. (laughs) (laughs) You fly back and all is good in the world. So, I mean, it's an interesting proposition that initially I was against. But in light of what is going on in the world, it might make the most sense for us. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would just give Putin Seva a good reason (laughs) to make a new sign. (laughs) she had surgery (laughs) oh she did she did she had surgery i forgot what it was for um but uh she just had issues when she was playing her most recent tournament i'm assuming it was adelaide or no 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 the tournament that you played when you lost the first week of of ao grampians no, Grampians was no. pre-AO. Philip Island? Something like that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Kenan had surgery too. She did? Yeah, she had like a little surgery on something. I don't remember. She she lost. If there was a, a match that I really paid attention to, she lost to an up-and-coming Australian player mm-hmm. at that tournament. And um, anyway, so yeah, I mean, I think that... 
I think that it would make sense at this time to have it at one locale. Why are you going to put... Okay, imagine it for yourself. Jason Patterson ranked 86 in the world, made it to the second round of the Australian Open, trying to figure out what tournament are you going to play next. You're going to bring Wade. You're going to bring your physio. Are you going to fly all the way to Cordoba, Argentina, (laughs) and be like, I really got to read up on what the COVID restrictions are here and risk arriving and having a positive case where you have to quarantine for 10, 14 days and not know how you're going to play, end up playing, maybe make it through the first or second round, earn a cool 500 euros. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that is, uh, sorry, and I have to add this. That's the reason why Gilles Simone took a break from tennis because he publicly admitted that it was too much of a mental strain for him to have to jump around from city to city and figure out what the fuck was going on. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. Yeah, I mean, what's actually happening because of the pandemic is that this hodgepodge of events is... Is, are are coming up and tournaments are being moved around. Singapore was not an ATP t- event until this year because they were like, <laughs> let's throw this tournament here in the calendar because there's a gap. And turns out there's not a gap because there's two other events happening. <laughs> so there's a lot of that happening. You know, that, um, that women's event at the end of the season, Ostrava, was not a tournament, I don't think, until this year, right? That was sort right. of plotted into the calendar randomly the the Lexing, the lexington kentucky yes. event where we were all like oh my god tennis is back so we were excited about it then but i think it's a bit of a of a head spin for someone like simon and and anybody who's you know as low ranked as simon <laughs> to um to try and wrap your head around where you're going to go and how much it's going to cost you. And as Opelka pointed out, are you going to break even? Yeah. I mean, sorry, reference that for a second, because I think that's worth mentioning. Yeah. Opelka retweeted Isner's tweet (laughs) and, you know, talked about how in these certain events where he is deciding where to play, if he, I think he he's like if 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 I make it to the third round or the fourth round, that's where I break even. So he knows that he has to do really well, and that's because of all of these the expenses that you incur as a player. So another reason why, um, you know, players like that, Vashik, obviously, Sangren, who also uh, retweeted that, um, who's a a sort of mid level player in the rankings, uh, want to have a conversation about the prize money and what's happening with that and, and, and a bit of a more equal share. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not sure whether I'm going to go into a tangent that's going to take us into a bit of a rabbit hole, but to all of you out there that are just dismissing comments from players that might not necessarily align with your personal values, I'm thinking about Tennis Sangren, I'm thinking about Apelka, I'm thinking about Isner. You know, you've pegged these players along with their kind of motley crew of, you know, right-wing, Republican, pro-Trumpers. You know, these are the labels that you guys put on them. I mean, 
I'm just going to be honest. And I'm going to speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for Jason because, you know, Jason has his own mind. I don't know that. I don't know that to be necessarily true, but I do think it's important to listen to what they have to say, because where are we in this world where just because they liked a comment or retweeted a comment or followed a person on IG that we're just going to immediately dismiss what they think about or what they say. I mean, I'm going to be the first to say that like, you know, as a gay person generally situated on the left-hand liberal democratic, you know, libertarian side that, you know, it's easy for me to dismiss a comment like that. But I think that in doing this podcast, what I've personally learned is that everyone does have a point of view and a perspective. So, you know, when when we Jason and I do the research, I think it's important to listen to what they have to say and where they have to come from and make a decision from there as opposed to just automatically dismissing what do they have to say altogether. So that's just my two cents. I don't know whether you want to add Jason. Well, Baldwin, thank you for asking. (laughs) Like any good tennis player, I usually ride the fence and I come from Switzerland. (laughs) I try to create peace. But I do think to your point, uh, we've, we're sort of in this era this Alduin, <laughs> this Alduin era of <laughs> being unable to have a dialogue or a conversation with people who have disagreeing opinions um, yeah. or opinions that you disagree with. Um, and I think we can't always expect everybody's going to fall in line with us. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't expect everybody to fall in line with, with my views and perspectives and um yeah, I, I, I don't know what else to say. I think, you know, we're in this very interesting environment where uh, things get a bit out of hand. And, you know, cancel culture is a real thing. And it's something that it, I wish it didn't exist, but it does. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not to take away from the real lived experiences of each individual person. I mean, if I had a moment to share all of my childhood trauma with, (laughs) you know, all of our listeners out there, it would take multiple seasons. But the truth is, is that I think that we should extend the same grace to when it comes to tennis, to these players and not just treat tennis players as a one dimensional entity. I mean, we saw it with Christian Harrison. I really, Jason and I really enjoyed our interview with Christian Harrison. And we said this during the kind of prelude to that interview. There were a lot of people that popped in and talked about, oh, I can't believe you had Christian Harrison on. (laughs) You know, but at the end of the day, he is a human being with experiences that is fallible. We are all fallible. And I think it just it just serves us all better to extend a little bit of grace to everyone. Yeah, period. he was <laughs> he was a, a lovely person, a very nice person. We actually have communication with him probably yes. twice a week still <laughs> yes. finding out how he's doing uh, at the smaller events where he's trying to work his way up the ranking and 
you know, having heard his story, it makes it all that more, you know, special that he would even want to, you know, chat with us and keep us in the loop and let us know how he's doing. And he did win attorney. Mm-hmm. You go, boy. Yeah. And so that's, great. Um, that's great. And a couple of birthdays, I think, that are important to make mention of. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had so many other things that we want to talk about, but I think we should save them for next week. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. We, we didn't realize how long this sort of <laughs> <laughs> prize money ATP t- WTA tennis <laughs> bubble was going to go, but it was a meaty conversation. So the other stuff is the other stuff is just as meaty. So we will save it for next week. But mm-hmm. yes, happy birthday to our girl, Jeannie. Yay. <laughs> Fashioning her new balance gear. Yes, and her new balance boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) I said fashioning like she's actually making the clothes. She's not making the clothes. (laughs) Who's her boyfriend? I don't don't know. know. I don't know. He looked like a real snack. You know, Jason and I messaged her and we're like, happy birthday, bestest. She liked our comment. She continues to watch our stories. She's in the know. She looks damn good. We wish her the best. For this year. So happy birthday, babe. Yeah. And you have another uh, WTA player whose birthday was this week? <laughs> Naomi Brody. Yes. The Naomi racket Brody, girl. The racket girl. You, you, threw your, you threw your racket at the ball, boy. <laughs> I love you. She is an amazing player. She continues to take beautiful Instagram stories of her desserts at the restaurants. Don't lie. We know that you're watching us. <laughs> Get on our show, bitch. Yes. And then we wanted to wish a happy, I think he's 29, <laughs> the cutie from Serbia, Filip Krajanovic. You know what? I'm going to take credit for this because you never really thought he was a cutie until I told you he was a cutie. He's actually the one of the only ATP players that I follow on my personal Instagram. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> ATP Dudes Instagram. He is the winner of like the, they did this um kind of like tournament where they like pitted really cute ATP guys against each other. And he made it all the way to the finals because they posted a picture of him in white shorts with his legs open. <laughs> He's cute. He's, He's cute. cute. He's cute. He's cute. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Well, episode five of season two is in the books, (laughs) y'all. I feel like we could have talked for three more hours. We we have like at least an hour more of content, but we're going to save it for next week. We can't make these shows two hours. We can't. No, we can't. We can't. (laughs) And there's going to be some juicy content. Just a teaser. We're going to talk about Osaka. I can't believe we didn't even get to Osaka. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about Osaka, who is on a terror. Yes. On and a tear. On a tear. And, uh, and, and anal, Joko. Anal tear. Oh, my anal God. Anal <laughs> Fisher. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. We're digressing. <laughs> See you next week, y'all. Bye. We're here for your tennis-tainment or your tentertainment or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five-star review and like, share, and subscribe and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.